He said, in one body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Now look what he says in uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 18. Well, let's get verse 17 next. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For though, or through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. We'll come back to that verse. Now we find that the last part of that, he said we are built together, fitly built together. We are a building. I won't read the rest of it. We'll pray and get into it. The church is a building. And we're going to talk about that today, but it's more than a building. You can be seated. Our Father, I pray you give us wisdom and understanding as we begin today to talk about the church and the things about the church. And Lord, we give clarity. I pray, God, you'd give us wisdom and understanding. We'll praise you for what you're going to do. Touch hearts and lives. May the Word of God ring out. Lord, may we accept the Word and we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Now we'll title this this morning something like The Jew... Uh, the Gentile and the church, and I preached on those before, we may just call it the bride of Christ. Or we'll just talk about this morning, Christ bride. That's actually what the church is. It's more than that. It's a building. It's a battalion because they put on the whole armor of God. Uh, it's a brotherhood. And uh, we can see lots of things out of the book of Ephesians that the church is. But today I'm going to major on the bride. And we're going to talk about that in a sense. And I pray God will help us. Now, from Genesis, I want you to get this as an introduction. From Genesis to Malachi. That is, from Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament, to the last book of the Old Testament, which is the book of Malachi. We'll find that God primarily, not 100%, but primarily dealt with the Jew. Now, if you don't get that straight, you're going to get in trouble. Uh, The Jewish people is what the Old Testament basically is about. Amen. That's where they become Jews. And uh, Jehovah God worked with the Jews. So the Old Testament is primarily dealing with the Jews. Now, that don't mean the Gentile didn't fit. I'll show you some Gentiles, amen, that were in in the Old Testament before I get through today. Alright? But I want you to see that God primarily dealt with a Jew. So don't say, hey, I don't want the Old Testament because it's just Jewish. Amen. Somebody sold you something you didn't need to buy. Somebody told you something you didn't need to listen to. We'll find that the Jew and the Gentile are in the Old Testament. Now primarily in the New Testament... Primarily, not 100%, but primarily in the New Testament, God deals with the Gentile. He deals with more Gentiles than He does Jews, and He deals, amen, uh, uh, with a lot of Jews as well. And so, I see people today, and they're trying to separate the Jew and the Gentile. You have Gentiles talking about the Jew, they make fun of the Jew. Uh, they talk, make jokes about the Jew. Then they talk about the Jews making money and squeeze money out of a hound dog. I mean, you know, they talk about everything. And they are smart. Amen. Amen. And I, I'll tell you that. And I appreciate that. And I'm not going to be... Listen, the Jew and the Gentile is made one. I read that to you in your hearing this morning. I'll explain that more and more as we get into this right now in just a minute. 
Now the Bible, all through the Bible, you got Jews, you got Gentiles. The Bible calls the Gentiles dogs. In the Old Testament, they're called dogs. They weren't thought too much of. Now it is amazing. You say, why in the world would they call us dogs? Well, in America, particularly, but around the world, the Jews are basically called dogs. Now. So, don't get too uh, drawn out. Amen. You know why they're called dogs in the Old Testament? The Gentiles and the, and the Jews are hated and despised in the New Testament. Because both of them, amen, as Christians saved by the grace of God, love God. And if you love God, they hate you. Amen. They hate you for Christ's sake. They don't like Jesus. Now you understand that's where we are today. We're looking at this. Now the Bible said we one time were afar off, but now we've been made nigh by the blood of Christ. We've been made nigh. We've been brought close. Now, I didn't get here by baptism. I hadn't been brought nigh because of good works. I hadn't been brought nigh to God. When I say nigh, I mean brought close to the Lord. I've been accepted. The Bible said in the book of Ephesians, one of the good terms of the book of Ephesians, one of them, uh, is that we are accepted in the beloved. I got family members that wouldn't accept me today. And you may have some that won't accept you. But I've been accepted in the beloved. And who cares about the rest of it? They don't like me. That's all right. I've been accepted by the one that amounts to something. And that's God Almighty. So we've been made nigh by the blood of Christ. I look at this and see this just for a minute. Look at the prodigal son for a moment. You remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son got up one day and said, Oh man, I want what I got coming to me. He didn't say it exactly like that. But he said this, I want what I've, what's mine. I'm tired of all the stuff that's going on. Didn't say it like that either, but you read it in there. You'll see it. I'm not adding to the Word. He just said, I, I, I don't want uh, to be under subjection no more. I'm getting out of here. It's kind of like a little old fellow walked up to his daddy one day. And his daddy had been kind of tough and rough on him. And he said, Daddy, said I'm fixing to leave. I'm getting out of the nest. Uh, he said, can I ask you why? He said, yeah, I'm tired of being told what to do and what not to do. He said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to join the army. <laughs> that was real smart, wasn't it? <laughs> Amen. And so that's what happens. The old prodigal said, I'll just leave home. I'll get out of here. I'll run my own life. And he got down to hog lot, lost everything he had. Uh, wasted his substance, the Bible said, in riotous living. And next thing you know, he's down there uh, trying to feed the swine and got hungry because of the husk and the slop. You ever seen what hogs eat? Amen. I don't know why in the world I like pork chop. And I see what a hog eats. Amen. Uh, my mama and grandma and grandpa and all them, uh, we'd have a dinner on Sunday and uh, my grandma would get up all the scraps and wash the dishes and all the soap in the dishes and throw the dish water in the, in the slop. And that then, and y'all seen that, ain't you? Eat anything. And them hog dogs, I mean, they just slopping it up. Stink. I want you to know, amen. But I like, ham, I like their ham, don't you? 
But I look at this and see it this morning, and I see the prodigal said, I got enough. I'm going out yonder. And then he wastes his substance and right us living. And then he come back from the far country. Amen. Now this prodigal is like the Jewish, I mean, it's like the Gentile. I'll just kind of give him a, as a, a kind of a type, maybe. He's a, like a Gentile. He's leaving. He's away from God. He's a prodigal. He's a nothing. He's a, I'm sure that that little uh, older brother at home has talked about him for a long time. I'm sure everybody in the town talked about the prodigal. What about him? Just run off and left his daddy, left everything, just give it all up for nothing. Uh, he ought to be ashamed of himself. But one day that old prodigal got right. Bible said he came to himself. Praise God, there's some people in here need to come to themselves. Amen. He smelt some of that slop and decided he needed to change. Amen. And he headed down to the father's house. He said, my father's servants, they, they got everything and I'm going back there. Here he went. Well, the old uh, older boy kept saying, ah, he, he ain't coming back. I don't and when he come back, he got upset. He said, you know, I've been here the whole time. He's, he's, he's kind of like the Jew. Been with you all the time, Lord. You know what it is. Yeah. Amen. Been with you all the time. And done nothing wrong. And now, look what you've done. You said, well, if he's going to be like a, one going out and getting saved, there's got to be some blood. Well, they killed a fatted calf. Yeah. And fed it. And so that's what he made nigh. And the elder son, uh, he was close to the father. And it was the one that I liken to the Gentile that got in. Amen. God helped him. That's just a little type. You can't carry them, but so far. And so they killed the fatted calf. Now, through the blood, we have access. In the Old Testament, the Gentile could get in, but most of them didn't get in because they didn't accept the blood. There were some Gentiles that got in. In the day of grace today, you say, is that what it is? Yeah, turn to chapter 3 of Ephesians. In case you don't know about this, the Bible said, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. How many has ever heard that we are living in the day of the dispensation of grace? Amen. Amen. You mean two or three souls heard that? How many of you have really heard the dispensation? Of, amen. All right. Praise God. I'm, I've preached it and preached it and preached it. I thought, surely no more than that hears that. Uh, you must have your earplugs in. Amen. Seriously. I don't believe people listen to preach like they ought to. Amen. You better listen. I'm liable to say something ain't right. Amen. And it, I don't want to say nothing ain't right. I want to say it right. But now listen. Dispensation of grace. And that's been given to us, he said. We're living in that day of grace. And so we look at that and we see that we are. We're no longer strangers and foreigners and aliens to the commonwealth of Israel. We've been brought nigh. Amen. And we see what he says in Ephesians 2.14 again. For he is our peace who hath made both one Jew and Gentile one and hath broken down the metal wall of partition between us. Now we can come together, Jew and Gentile. But in the day, of the day of grace today, there's a lot of Gentiles that won't get in. But it won't be because Christ don't save them. It's because they don't want in. That was in the Old Testament times. Now somebody say to me, Preacher, don't preach on the Old Testament. 
That old fellow, I was on the radio in Cleveland, WRWH, one Sunday afternoon preaching. I went back to my church that night to preach, and uh, this man brought his daddy with him that night. And he said, here's my dad. And the first thing, and I said, well, good to have you tonight. Appreciate you. And the first thing he said is, quit preaching on the Old Testament. He's real nice. I mean, he just got down to the point. He come to tell me, I guess. He said, quit preaching on the Old Testament. We're New Testament Christians. We have a New Testament church here. I said, yes, sir. We have an Old Testament covenant in our Bible too. And I said, when you get uh, at that same point and you believe that, I said, look, then I said, I see you carrying a Bible. He said, I am. I said, you are just carrying New Testament. You're a New Testament believer. You ought to take the rest of it and throw it away. Uh, you'll die ignorant because you won't know all about God. Because when you tire out Genesis to Malachi, then you don't even know how the world got started. Amen. You'll all believe evolution, everything else. I guess it irritates some of you little old preachers. I do a lot of funerals, not a lot, but some funerals. And when I do funerals, these little preachers that come in and they're going to preach the funeral and they'll get in there and when they get in, they reach down in their pocket and they pull out a little New Testament. I thought, what in the world's wrong with you, boy? Yeah. I say that to myself, don't say that to them. You just got a half a Bible. You just gonna preach half a sermon. You just gonna tell half what you know. Amen. And the reason they do it's two reasons. I'll just kind of share this. Let me put this in here. I'll do it. I got one reason is they do it. It's hard to put these in. They don't want to come walking in with the Bible. I count it as joy. Praise God. Don't bother me a bit. I can put my Bible anywhere I go. I'm not, I'm not trying to do it. This, you think it makes you popular? Put the Bible? Not this day. Amen. But, I mean, I just walk right in. And you know what they say? You must be the preacher. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Why they think that? Amen. So I go in and preach. I get irritated. These little, uh, little old fellers. They're I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to get too close to knowing them. Uh, here they are. But we are looking at this in the, in the Word of God, and we find that God said we both had been made one. Go to verse eighteen. Can you see this? In Ephesians 2.18, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Did you see the Trinity in that verse? Now look it over. A Trinity. You believe God's a Trinity? Yes. What do you mean, preacher, by being a Trinity? I believe we have one God. One God. But He's manifest in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Each one of them will none of them have any disagreement. They all agree on everything. Amen. God perfected salvation 
Jesus died for salvation and the Spirit of God presents the salvation. They're all in harmony. So I'll look at it, verse 18, for through Him, who's that? Christ. We both, who? Jew and Gentile, have access by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, unto the Father. There's God the Father, just like the baptism. When Jesus was baptized, amen, He's the one that got baptized, that's Jesus the Son, God the Son. Then the Bible said a dove come down lit upon his shoulder. That's a type of the Spirit of God. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. There's the Trinity. God always shows up in the Trinity. And I appreciate that this morning. They all have a specific work. But we're looking at that, the Trinity. Now, uh, I'm giving you some things. Ahead. What if the Mormons come to your house? And it's just likely it's not. They will. I've had to deal with them a lot of times. They always usually catch me off guard. When I catch them in the community, one day they come down, and they're working in my church area, and they come and park down below us down there, and, and uh, then they went out knocking on doors, and I went in and got all the information I could and put it in my head real good, packed it up so I could quote all the verses to them. I said, bless God, and they come to my door. I'm going to be loaded with, with a triple-barrel shotgun. And I'm going to tell them where they can get off at. I, I, I'm not going to let them. And I looked and looked and looked. And the last time I looked, I looked out the door and there went their car. They used to come in on bicycles and went out on the car, a little pinto. And I said, uh, hmm, ain't no better than fool with a Baptist preacher. <laughs> ain't no, I was in the pastor. They ain't no better than fool with a Baptist preacher. I'd have, I'd have shot uh, the trail out from under them. I know I would. Next morning about 10 o'clock. I run to the door. That's too early for anybody. Open the door and there's two Mormons. And I said, I ain't ready. I didn't tell them that. And they started talking. And uh, we, we started talking. We, let, just let, let me ask you this. What are you going to do when they come to your door? And uh, they'll give you a scripture. That, uh, let me just give you a scripture they'll give you if you're not careful. You're saying, no, I go to such and such a church up the road here. And my pastor's so and so. And we believe that's the best church in the county. And we believe that's the place we need to be and that's where we hear the gospel and you done told him it's a Baptist church and so one of them looks at you and said uh, do y'all have prophets and do y'all have uh, apostles and you say no we don't have them you know what they're going to say how come And they're going to read this to you. Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now everybody in here can coincide with evangelists and pastors and teachers. But they said, you don't have no apostles? You don't have no prophets? How come? It's in the Bible. God said he'd give the church some. <laughs> 
How are you going to answer that? How are you going to answer it? Well, if you've versed on your Scriptures, here's what you do. You look at them and you say, what constitutes an apostle? What do you have to do to be an apostle? If I ask you that today, you say, I don't really know. But one of the things an apostle has to do is he has to see Jesus Christ personally risen from the dead. Bitterly. That's why we call Paul an apostle. We believe Paul saw Christ in the little length of time before he, or after he, uh, he got saved and was started preaching. And we don't have apostles today because we don't need apostles. What were the apostles' job to do? Preach the Word of God and lay out the fundamentals of the faith. What's the Baptist church to do today? Follow in the footsteps and the doctrines of the apostles. What constitutes a prophet? Two things about a prophet. A prophet can be a fourth teller or he can be a foreteller. If he's a fourth teller, he's like a preacher in a sense that he tells forth what he already knows. What he already has heard. What God has already prophesied. But a foreteller is somebody that tells something that has never happened yet. Now how come we don't have prophets in the church this morning? I know Joseph Smith and all of them and these religions today talk about, they talk about apostles and prophets. And you're hearing people talk about apostles and prophets in today's church. They're off the wall. Amen. You said, I don't believe all that. That's all right. Believe what you want to. Maybe God will give you a scholarship when you get to heaven. Amen. Understand? I don't believe you will for misinterpreting his word. But listen to this. There's no need for any prophets today. There's no reason for any other scripture. That's why you can't listen to the Mormons. God gave me these plates. Moroni wrote these down and gave me the interpretation of this. And here's the book of Mormon. It's inspired, they say. Well, if it's inspired, then I'd write me a book and I'd say, uh, that's the book of deals. Inspired of God. And I know good and well it ain't. You understand what I'm saying? you got to get your inspirations of the Scriptures right. Now, I'm going to give you this. I pray that God will help you to understand it. So when you explain to them what an apostle is and what a prophet is and you let them know what, you know what an evangelist is and what a pastor is and it's the only one in there that says pastors and teachers. That means a pastor's got to teach and a teacher's got to preach if he's called of God. That scares me. Some of these, I heard a pastor tell me the other day, he said, you know, I preach but I can't teach. Amen. Well, I can't do neither but I sure try both. Enjoying it too. 
Amen. If I'm wearying you, I'm enjoying wearying you. Amen. If I'm torturing you, I'm enjoying torturing you. But I don't want to torture you. You understand? I'm saying today, we don't need apostles and priests. And they happen to have a need apostles and, and, uh, and uh, prophets for a little length of time. Why? They didn't have a full canon of the Word of God. Until the book of Revelation was written with John on the Isle of Patmos, nobody had a full canon of the Bible. Somebody said, well, John wrote that under inspiration. He did. He's also like a prophet of God too, if you will. And some people wouldn't accept what I said on that either. But there's so many prophecies in the, in the book of Revelation. I'd say he is a prophet if there's ever been one. Wouldn't you? So I'm not going to get into that. So anyhow, uh, it's just like all this. What we have and all. I hear so much today about transgenderism. All this stuff of flying to and fro. Somebody said, boy, they got that started out in the world. And the world got all that. No, it started in the church. Transgenderism got started in the church. I'm just going to throw this at you right quick and I'm going to run off and hide. I'm going to get on another subject. But when women started preaching in the pulpit, they changed the gender. And let America think a woman has that right. All right, I told you I wouldn't go any further than that. Now, I want to go look at something. In the Old Testament, how many times is the word church mentioned? Anybody else want to guess? Zero! You don't find the word church in the Old Testament. I heard where it talked about the church in the wilderness out of the New Testament. You said, reckon what that meant. Well, we're just kind of going to explain that a little, okay? The church, as we know the church today, was never known in the Old Testament. The reason is because the Jewish nation couldn't see nothing but the mountaintops. They couldn't see the day of grace, the dispensation of grace I talked about a while ago. All they could see was mountaintop to mountaintop. They could see maybe Calvary and especially the second coming of the Lord. Malachi, Zechariah, and some of the other chapters behind that talks about His feet standing on the Mount of Olives. They could see that. They were looking for the Messiah to come and set up His kingdom. They could look at a kingdom age because God said, I'm going to give you a land that's going to be you and your seeds forever. That's a covenant God made with Abraham. But they couldn't see nothing like the church. Couldn't see it at all. That was a mystery. The Bible talks about it as a mystery. Let's look at chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians. I told you we'd get into that chapter. I'm hitting highlights and spots. I'm spot preaching this morning. But I pray that God will give you just enough knowledge to understand. In verse 3 of chapter 3, He said, How that by revelation, how that by revelation, He made known unto me 
the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. Verse 4. Wherefore, or whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Look at verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which was from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. A mystery that was before and in the mind of God before anybody was ever here. Now Christ considers the church is his bride. The fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians talks about the bride of Christ. It's talked about in other places in the Word of God. I'm not going to get into the, the details of that. Uh, but I am going to give you some places where you can find the church pictured in the Old Testament. It wasn't there as we know it. It's a lot of difference in going and sacrificing a lamb and a goat and a bullock and catching the blood and sprinkling on the mercy seat than it is coming in the house of God today, picking up a songbook and singing Amazing Grace. The reason is because we have a living Christ that has risen from the dead and we're not worshiping a dead Savior. He's alive. And every Sunday we come in here, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I say he's alive. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Three or four of you need to try to scratch the side of your mouth there and grin a little. It's bothering me. <laughs> Amen. I'm talking about the bride of Christ. I'm talking about the, the Lord's bride. Amen. So I look at this. Nobody saw the church in the Old Testament, but it's taught there. The first ones I want to point out that you can see it in is the first parents. Who are they? Adam and Eve. You don't see the church of the Gentiles as much as you do the whole picture of the church. Adam, God made Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils. Amen. God... Got down, put his mouth over his nose and began to breathe in him. Somebody said he'd give him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. No, he didn't. He didn't have no life to resuscitate. God breathed into his nostrils. And he, began a, he became a living soul. He began to live. He began to move and breathe. Amen. We're here today by the breath of God. Amen. So he let him have the job of taking care of the garden, but he was lonely, and God said, I'm going to give you a helpmeet. And he caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and he performed the first operation and gave the first anesthetic. And he took a rib out of the side of Adam, formed a woman, closed up the side, and Adam got up and didn't have to have no recuperation. Didn't have to go to rehab. Wasn't on a wheelchair or a cane or a walker. Just gone through a tremendous operation and he could run a marathon when he woke up. 
You say, I ain't never thought about that. That's right. It's what God can do. And so guess what? He placed Eve beside his side and said, you know, and, and the curse came. Of course, Eve failed because of that. Lord willing, I'm going to preach on that tonight. But I'm going to save a little right now. So we find that Adam is a type of God the Father. He's not God the Father. He's a type. You can only carry a type so far. Adam's a type of God the Father, and Eve is a type of the bride of Christ, which is the church. He said, how do you get that? When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he stretched out between the cross with the nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And it was prophesied that not a bone of his body be broken. They come to break the body, break the bones to kill, go ahead and kill him. They found out that Jesus was already dead. He gave up the ghost. And the old Roman soldier done something there that he didn't do to those thieves is on the cross beside Christ. He took a spear and pierced the side of the Son of God. And the Bible said forthwith came out blood and water. Before you have a birth, you've got blood and water. And the church, which is the bride of Christ, was birthed out of the side of the Son of God. Now we are His bride. I'm telling you where we got our start. He loves his bride. And he'll fight for his bride. Now that's the first type you find of the church in the Old Testament. Amen. Third chapter. Don't go far, does it? Now let me give you another one. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 2 verse 21. I want to give you these little, little tidbits. I just love to take these things. I can spend, I can spend hours on just one of these. I do. Somebody, if you saw the way I studied, you'd say, boy, he's wasting his time. He's going to seed on it. Well, it ain't so much going to seed when you get up and preach it. Exodus chapter 2, verse number 21. We're going to talk about Moses. Remember, in, Moses, in, in chapter 2, Israel's still where? In Egypt. Moses has been down in Egypt for 40 years. And he has got tired of Egyptian work, or does, and he goes and gets in the backside of the desert and stays there for 40 more years. And when he's 80 years old, amen, God begins to work on him, and he goes down to see Pharaoh. But the Bible said in chapter 2 and verse 21, And Moses was content to dwell with the man, he's in the wilderness now, and he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. That means to wife. And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have seen a stranger in the strange land. What's this mean? Moses married Zipporah. She was a Gentile. Can you see that? This will blow your mind if you'll get it. Moses is a 
full blood, uh, full blood Jew, married Zipporah, a Gentile. Oh, that disqualified him, preacher. Mighty, mighty, mighty man. He went down and took out all Israelite and brought, brought them out. God just wants to show you he was not against the Gentiles. They were simply against him. You understand? Let me give you another one. Might blow your little brain. Genesis 41. We're backing up. Genesis 41. When we get to Genesis 41, we want to go to verse 45. The Bible said in verse 45, And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath paneah and he gave him to wife Asenath. Now where is Joseph? He's in Egypt. And he's married an Egyptian. You got that? I'm not saying today that interracial marriage is okay. I preached against it, still, still do. But I see this, these things happen. But God takes what He didn't want to happen and brings it around to His good, amen, and glory. Amen. I've always preached that people marry their own race. God's always preached that. God's the one that split the races. I didn't. I am not, I am not today against any race on the earth. I preached to every color under the sun. I ain't seen no pokey dotted men, but if I did, I'd preach to them. You hear me? The daughter of Potter, peer of priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now, you said, well, I don't see anything. Well, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about this is a bride, Gentile bride. Let's go to the book of Ruth. Nobody will argue with this. If you do, you're in trouble. Ruth is the eighth book of your Bible. Eight's a new beginning. What's the day? Somebody called it the first day of the week. But if you want to start back from last week, it's the eighth day. New beginning. Amen. Somebody said, yesterday's the first day. No, today's the first day. Which one's on your calendar do you put down as first day? Sunday. Huh? Ruth starts something different. Ruth, Boaz. The Bible teaches us that Ruth was a Moabitess. She was in the land of Moab. She's come off the lineage, but she's Gentile. Amen. Now I'm going to turn to one of the hardest books or hardest portions of Scripture that you've ever had in your life. Everybody ever talked about the Bible? When they want to read the Bible for the first time, they usually start at Matthew chapter 1. Remember me telling you about I read the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters of it. I told the Lord, if you learned me the Bible, I'd preach. Got through the 28th chapter, and I didn't know any more about it than I did in the starting. 
And God told me He didn't make bargains with men. He said, preach anyhow. And He said, I'll help you. Well, I'm going record to tell you this morning, He helped me. Matthew chapter 1. Would you look at verse 5? The Bible said, And Salmon begat Boaz. Now that says Boaz there, but that's the Greek for the Hebrew Boaz. The New Testament's in Greek, basically, and the Old Testament's in Hebrew. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rachab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon. You see that? So Ruth is in the lineage of the birth of Christ. Gentile. I want to show you another type and it looks at it and somebody says, ah, you can't mix the Jew and the Gentile in the day of grace. Shut your mouth. And nobody know how stupid you are. I go back to the Word of God. Abraham wanted to find a bride for Isaac. And what did he do? He sent him back to the land where he come from. The camel train went back to get the wife and we'll not get into all the story about how this to know which one is right, but he brought a woman by the name of Rachel. Oh no. What's her name? Rebecca, Rebecca excuse me. Rebecca brought Rebecca back. And when he brought Rebecca back, Rebecca was a full blooded Jew. Isaac was a full blooded Jew. And now you got Jew married to Jew. Amen. And it's still the bride, and it's still a type of the church. The bride was and is. Showing that one of these days they are going to be together. And we are. I will go on to tell you that one day the church made up of Gentiles and Jews, is going to be called out of here. You know that I preached it so much. They're going to get called out of here. And God's going to go back to dealing with the Jews who do not know Christ. Basically, the Jews do not know Jesus Christ. I listened to a, a Jewish missionary every afternoon about 6.15 if I can. And he's talking about the New Covenant. He don't call it the New Testament. He's trying to offer the Jewish nation and Jewish people a new covenant to help them. And it's actually the New Testament. They don't accept the New Testament. Jews don't. And he's trying to show them that Messiah, the Messiah that they've been praying for, the Lord, there is Christ. They don't accept that. But one day God's going to bring tribulation on the earth and He's going to bring judgment upon the Jew and on the Gentile. And they're going to see that He is Messiah. They're praying for Him to come the first time. We're praying for Him to come the second time. Amen. Amen. He's coming anytime. I got my bags packed up. Praise God. I found me a little... You remember that little suitcase I showed you? I found me a little suitcase the other day. It's got a little tool in it, but I'm going to take it out of my suitcase. I come home and sit down at the table. told my boy, I said... Uh, Look here, I'm going on a vacation. 
Here's my suitcase. It's about that li- about that wide, about that tall, and about that thick. I- I've got it packed up, ready to go in the rapture. I don't need no more than that. Don't even need that much. Amen. That's how ready I am. Any time now, any day now, any hour now, any second now. Praise God. Wouldn't it be exciting? Well, amen. Hope you understand where the church is and where it's at and what it's type and where you can find it in the Old Testament. You might not have seen that before and I pray today that you know now that the church is typified in the Old Testament. The Lord certainly, it just didn't happen one day. Oh, oh, the Jews rejected him. What am I going to do? Oh, oh, oh. God ain't sitting on the throne bald-headed pulling out his hair. He knows all this is going to happen. Have you ever said when things happen, you're like, well, maybe the Lord knows that. You silly thing. He knows everything. Amen. Box your jaws a time or two. Wake up. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. There's nothing ever slides up on God. Every once in a while something pop up on me and I say, ooh, I misfigured that. I didn't know that was going to happen. That caught me off guard. I ain't read in the Bible anywhere God ever got caught off guard. Hallelujah, what a God. Heads bowed. Eyes closed.